You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Now, I am preaching on the subject, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. Now, no, I'm not talking about snow. I want the white Christmas that Jesus is talking about here in John chapter 4. Lift up your eyes and look on the field, for they are white, all ready to harvest. Now, we have reached that time of year where people start asking each other, what would you like for Christmas? Now, I'll say this, I don't see anything wrong with giving gifts for Christmas. It's one of my favorite parts of, of Christmas. And uh, However, there is something wrong when the gifts take our eyes off of the unspeakable gift, off of the ultimate gift. And uh, so always remember, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Uh, this is the time of year where many people spend a lot of money that they don't have for things that they don't need to impress a lot of people that they don't like. Don't be one of those people. Uh, make sure that you're not going into debt every single Christmas time, and then by the time you pay it off next year, you just do it again. Uh, but always remember, it's, it's fine to get gifts for one another, but teach your children as well. Uh, the reason that we give gifts is because Jesus was given to us. For God so loved the world that he gave. Uh, that's the best way to teach your children. And uh, teach them about giving rather than receiving. Um, every single year you should do something special for somebody. And you should do it in a secret manner and you need to involve your kids. So if you know that there's a family in need or if you know that there's a neighbor in your street or maybe a missionary that you want to send a gift to and do it anonymously. Uh, but get your kids involved. Uh, it's very exciting, especially if you can do it in such a way where maybe you leave it on the doorstep somewhere and then you can have them watch the reaction and then you tell them, you can never tell them that we gave them that. Uh, it's something that's wonderful about this time of year. But there is nothing we can give at Christmas time that didn't first come from God. Uh, so every gift should remind us of how Jesus was given for us. That's just free there. But it is that time of year where people are going to ask you, what do you want for Christmas? And you are going to ask other people, what would you like for Christmas? And all I want to do tonight is share with you as, a, as your pastor what I would like for Christmas. And I want you to join in on that desire tonight, okay? I am dreaming of a white Christmas. I am dreaming, I wish to see many souls saved and baptized and discipled and added to the church at the end of this year. I wish to see a great harvest reap for God's glory. And uh, with our theme being the theme that it is, uh, I think it would be careless of us. I think it would be selfish of us. I think it would be shameful of us if we came distracted by the season and completely forgot about the reason for everything that we are doing. And uh, the reason that we are even here as a church is because of what Jesus did for us. Don't get distracted because of the festivities of the year. Uh, we need to be focusing in this time of the year. But unfortunately, that is basically what happened to these disciples in John chapter 4. They allowed themselves to become distracted from their responsibility. And uh, Jesus teaches them a lesson in this passage. Now, last week we talked about thank God for bears and lions. And you really had to follow me with your imagination. You're going to need your imagination again tonight. But you did a good job last week. I think you'll do just fine this week. But I want you to think about something with me. If an athlete becomes distracted, he might lose a game. Gentlemen, raise your hand if you know this name. Bill Buckner. Brother Haven, that's it. And Brother, Brother James, you know Bill Buckner? It gets behind the bag. It gets through Buckner, right? And that... that 
infamous guy, the, the first baseman, he was injured and they still put him in the game. And he was distracted by his injury and he lets a, a ground ball go through his legs and they lose the series. Bill Buckner has gone down in infamy. But if an, if an athlete becomes distracted, he loses a game. If a doctor becomes distracted, they may lose a patient. If a lawyer becomes distracted, they may lose a case. But when a church becomes distracted, we lose souls. And if you're here tonight and you've lost your focus, I want you to get refocused. If you're here tonight and you believe you've done the best that you could throughout this year to go forward with the gospel, I don't want you to back off. I want you to put the pedal to the metal and end this year on a high note. I want all of us to start dreaming, but further than that, I want us to start praying for and desiring and working for, as Brother Rusty preached my message again during his prayer, working for a white Christmas. Now, this is not just going to happen by going out once a week. This is only going to happen when we are what a lot of people call soul conscious. Have you ever heard that term before? To be soul conscious is when everywhere we go, we see souls in need of the Savior that we have found. We don't just see people. We don't just see traffic. We don't just see a lot of people at the mall. We see souls. And if we're going to be soul conscious, there are three steps that we need to take. And it's three steps that Jesus brought out. And I'll give them to you now. He tells his disciples, you need to lift, you need to look, and you need to labor. Those are the three. And I'm going to explain to you why the Lord says what he says to his disciples here. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And then verse 36 through 38, he talks about labor. Why does he bring out those three things? So first of all, let's look at the, the first thing that Jesus says. The first step that he talks to his disciples about in verse 35. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, number one, lift up your eyes. Now, quite often when Jesus spoke, he used physical terms to explain spiritual lessons, right? And the vast majority of the time, people completely missed it. They did not make the spiritual connection. Just a little earlier, he's talking to that woman at the well, and what does he say to her? If you knew who you were talking to, you would be asking me to be giving you living water. And then what, did, what does the lady say? You have nothing to draw with. And the well is deep. How thence or where thence do you have this living water? She took him literally. And at this moment, these disciples are so focused on the physical. I wouldn't doubt it that when Jesus said, lift up your eyes, they probably did this. No, 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 no. Lift up. He's not, he's not referring to their physical eyes. He's referring to their spiritual eyes. And church, let me make something clear. You can live your whole Christian life with your spiritual eyes shut. It happens all the time. When Jesus told these same men in Mark chapter 8, beware the leaven of the Pharisees, they start reasoning among themselves. It's because we have no bread. Right after he feeds 5,000 and 4,000 with just a few handfuls of bread. He says, beware the leaven of the Pharisees. And they said, it's because they have no bread. And you know what Jesus says? Why reason ye because you have no bread? Having eyes, see ye not? I'm not talking about physical bread. I'm, talking, I'm, I'm not talking about physical leaven. I'm talking about the doctrine of the Pharisees. Now, how often are we guilty about living day after day in this life without ever opening our spiritual eyes? 
Notice with me what Jesus is bringing out here. Read verse 7 and 8 with me of chapter 4. So go just a little bit earlier and let's get some context to the story. Familiar story, just like last week was a familiar story, but I want to bring out some details here that maybe we haven't thought about. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. Verse 8, for his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. These Jewish disciples, emphasis on Jewish disciples, have gone to Sychar to buy meat. They are hungry. The master is hungry. But unfortunately, the closest falafel place is in a Samaritan city named Sychar. Now, I say unfortunately, speaking on behalf of the disciples, because they wouldn't have been overjoyed at the prospect of going through Samaria in the first place. The Samaritan woman admits in verse 9 herself, the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Why are you asking me to get you water? The Jews, you're a Jew, and Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. But they needed food, so they go to the city to get it. And this was the situation. It was a get in, get food, get out, get eating, get moving situation in the disciples' mind. Okay, Lord, you say in verse 4, you must needs go through Samaria. Well, let's get in and get out. But at this moment, they're hungry. And when they come back, they see Jesus talking to this Samaritan. And they can't believe what they see. The Bible says that they marveled. In verse 27, they marveled that he talked with the woman. Now, as they come up, they, they don't know what he's saying to her. She leaves as soon as they come up. She, as they approach, she leaves her water pot, and she goes into the city that the disciples just came from. Now, there are so many things that are going on there that you would think would pique the curiosity of the disciples and maybe get them to ask some questions. First of all, why was Jesus speaking with a Samaritan? Second of all, why was the Samaritan speaking back to Jesus? Let alone a Samaritan, a Samaritan woman. Why did she leave her water pot? Did Jesus say something that offended her? Where is she going? What is she doing? And look in verse 27, though. And yet no man said, no man said, what seekest thou? probably talking, talking to the lady, what, ma'am, what seekest thou? And no, yet no man said, why talkest thou with her? All they say, all that the disciples say when they come back, two words, master, eat. Now, when I consider all of the elements of this story, how I take that is the disciples are saying, master, let's eat so we can get going. But he said unto them, I have meat that ye know not of. So then these physical, temporal-focused disciples, what do they start doing? Start looking at each other. Did somebody give Jesus something to eat? Who got him something to eat? Did you get him something to eat? Ladies, you know how frustrating it is when you slave over the stove and you have a meal ready and your husband comes home from work and he says, oh, I already ate. So these disciples have to go into a Samaritan city, deal with Samaritan people, trade with Samaritan people, deal with Samaritan people, and they come back and Jesus says, I'm not hungry. 
I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Who brought Jesus food already? And then Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. So focused only on the physical, only the temporal. No wonder Jesus tells them, you need to lift up your eyes for a moment. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. What is he saying? Did you not even for one moment in that Samaritan city open your spiritual eyes? That's what he's asking them. You saw me talking to that Samaritan woman as you walked up, and not one of you cared enough to ask what we were talking about or why I was talking to her. Master, eat. Lift up your eyes and look. Look on the fields. Now enter with me into the dangerous realm of my imagination. I know I'm losing some of you, but come in. All over Samaria, there's farmland. Okay? When Jesus said, look on the fields, they would have been able to literally look at fields of grain that are growing among them. And I can imagine those spiritually blind disciples who probably wanted nothing more than to get out of Samaria as quickly as possible. Looking on the fields around them and seeing that they are nowhere near harvest. They're nowhere near ripe. There's still four months to harvest time. But then they notice, when Jesus said, look on the fields, he wasn't pointing to the farmland. He's pointing to that Samaritan city. Gentlemen, my disciples, open up your spiritual eyes to that city that you just came from and tell me what you see. What do you see? Now, honestly, if we're going to be open and honest, spiritually speaking, they would have seen great division. Jews don't deal with Samaritans and Samaritans don't deal with Jews. The, the feeling is mutual. Now, I'm not saying that every time... I, it wasn't like a rival gang situation where you have them both walking and the Jews bring out their bats and the Samaritans bring out their nunchucks and stuff. No, that's not what's happening. It doesn't always turn into violence, but there's bad blood. The Samaritans stayed in Samaria and the Jews stayed in Judea. You do not mix together. In fact, a Jew would purposefully go around Samaria so that they wouldn't have to go through. That's why Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. No, we're going through Samaria. There is bad blood here going all the way back to Ezra and Nehemiah. You know Nehemiah and Sanballat and Tobiah? Uh, and there's another one. Those guys? Samaritans. Bad blood here. How do you, and because of that division, they see great difficulty. How do you open up any conversation with a Samaritan, let alone a spiritual conversation. Division and difficulty. Division and difficulty. L lift up your eyes and look on the fields and you're talking about Sychar? I see division and difficulty. But Jesus said, I see people ripe for the picking. Look on the fields. They're white. They're white already to harvest. I had a window seat on my flight out of Corpus and back into Corpus a couple weeks ago and I saw those homes lining the landscape. Thousands of cars going back and forth. Over 300,000 people in this city. Empty people filled with care going who knows where. 
When you drive through our city, do you have your spiritual eyes open? That's my question. Do you have your spiritual eyes open? Or when we go grocery shopping, do we get in, get food, get out without ever lifting up our eyes and looking on the fields? When we walk through the mall, unfortunately, or as we go Christmas shopping, or thank goodness for Amazon, right? You don't have to go and deal with people anymore. You say, I want it here tomorrow. And Amazon's, you got it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Or as we travel and we visit family, would you open up your spiritual eyes? That cashier, that waiter and waitress, that stewardess, that security guard, that stock boy, that greeter, that annoying cousin, that crazy uncle, that populous city, that rural town, that family gathering that you don't want to be at. With your spiritual eyes closed, that's all those people and that's all those things will ever be. To those disciples, Sychar was nothing more than a vending machine. Get in, get what we want, get out. And with our spiritual eyes closed, we're going to look at this great city that God has placed us in. And we'll see it as nothing more than the place we live, the place we get our food, the place we sleep, the place we work. That's it. We need to lift up our eyes. Look on the fields. Now, perhaps you see division. Perhaps you see difficulty. Jesus sees opportunity. That's what he sees. And in the Christian life, opportunity never comes without responsibility. If you have an opportunity to, something, uh, to do something, you have the responsibility to do something. And if you don't believe me, talk to that quote-unquote wicked and slothful servant that buried his talent in the ground. He had an opportunity to do something, and he refused to be responsible for it. And the Lord called him a wicked and slothful servant. There will always be division. There's always going to be difficulty. But scattered throughout this world are countless souls who are dying to drink of the water that you have found. Maybe the disciples would have thought, Lord, can't we just go to Sychar and get something to eat? And he would have said, no. No, there's work to be done. Today we reap or we miss our golden harvest. Lift up your eyes, look on the fields, and then labor in those fields. There's work to be done. Look at verse 36 through 38. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto eternal life, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap. That whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. Being soul conscious takes some labor. Work is a four-letter word. But if we're going to have a white Christmas, making the spiritual leap here, we're going to have to stop dreaming about it. We're going to have to wake up and work for it. Christianity is a roll-up-your-sleeves religion. This world needs a lot more Christians with calloused hands. We have too many Christians with calloused hearts. A preacher said this, nothing is hard work unless there's something else you'd rather do. I don't like that. <laughs> nothing is hard work unless there's something else you'd rather do. Do the words of that old song describe us? My house is full, but my field is empty. Who will go and work for me today? It seems my children all want to stay around my table, but no one wants to work in my field. 
We're not sent for leisure. We're sent for labor. We're not sent to rest here. We're sent to work here. Jesus told those men, I sent you to reap. Whereon you bestowed no labor. If they would have lifted up their eyes and looked for even a moment in that city of Sychar, they would have seen a harvest ripe for the picking whose seeds were sown by the prophets of old. They didn't sow those seeds. The people who came before them sowed those seeds. All they had to do was bring them in. That's it. They had the fun job, the harvest job. We have the fun job. Go and bring them in. That's all we're supposed to do. And they missed it because they weren't soul conscious. They needed meat. They got it. They came back. Master, eat. Not once did they see what Jesus saw. And they didn't even try. But it wasn't long from that moment that they would have learned a very valuable lesson. Because out of that same city that they just came from and did nothing comes a group of many Samaritans, the Bible says, being led to the Lord by an adulterous Samaritan woman. Because one lady simply come and see a man which told me everything I did. Is not this the Christ? She didn't say there's, one, there's three things you have to know and one thing you have to do. You have to admit that you're a sinner. And she didn't, no, she didn't have all the answers. I'm, I'm, I don't buy the excuse of I don't go soul winning because I don't know all the answers. You know more than that adulterous lady did. And because she simply told people what Jesus did for her, nearly an entire city came to Christ. Nearly an entire city. And what a shame. When the disciples went to Sychar, they come back with food. When that Samaritan woman went to Sychar, she came back with souls. And if it can happen in Sychar, then it can happen in Corpus Christi. But not if we don't lift up our eyes. Or not if we're lifting up our eyes and looking on a bunch of other things, which is easy to do right now. It's easy to do right now. Our schedule is full. <laughs> like a stuffed turkey. Bursting at the seams. Ladies, you're thinking of all these things that you have to host and you have to do all the, the list. And blah, 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 blah. Listen, 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 listen. Be a Martha. Be a Martha if you need to be. But don't forget to be a Mary. And gentlemen, I'm going to apply that to us too. Be a Martha if you need to be. But be a Mario as well. Don't just get distracted and cumbered about by all the things that, yes, need to be done. That's fine. But if we are too busy to serve the Lord, we're too busy. If we're too busy to serve the Lord, we're too busy. The Lord would not tell us to fulfill a great commission if we could not fulfill it. So therefore, if something temporal is coming in the way of us fulfilling that great commission, that is not God's will for our life. Without our spiritual eyes open, we'll miss the harvest. We'll see a cashier, but not a soul. A police officer, not a soul. A boss, not a soul. A coworker, not a soul. A family member, a neighbor, a city, and not souls. A city, not our city. This is our city. 
If that woman could reach Sychar for Jesus, we could reach Corpus Christi for Jesus. But not if we don't look on the fields. Yes, there's division. Yes, there's difficulty. But there's some great opportunity out there. If we would just lift up our eyes and look, there's some great opportunity. If God didn't wish to save Corpus Christi, he wouldn't have planted churches here. But will we sit back in our padded seats and fill our schedule, happy to go into Corpus Christi and get what we need and get out and move on? Or will we not see that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses who labored through persecution and martyrdom and distress to plant the seeds of the gospel that are laying in the hearts of these people? Our city is named after our Savior. Is that because of seeds that we planted? That's because of the seeds of Paul and Timothy and Polycarp and John the Beloved. That is how far these seeds go back. It's time to do our part. The fun part. It's time to enter into their labors. All we have to do... God has already given us the white Christmas. Lift up your eyes, look on the fields. They're white already. All we have to do is bring them in. So I want to put that before our mind. I want us to have a great December. But it's not going to happen if we don't lift up our eyes and look on the fields and get to work. There's work to be done. A lot of it in prayer. If you haven't listened to the podcast, you need to listen to the latest podcast about prayer. Brother James quotes from John Bunyan. There is much that you can do after you pray. But until you pray, there's nothing you can do. Much of the labor is going to be done on our knees. But then once that labor is done, it's time to go out into the fields and work. And church, I'll tell you what I'm praying for. I am praying for the best month of the year. However the Lord would want to bring that to us, I'm praying for the best month of the year. If it's guests and visitors, praise the Lord. If it's that we become soul conscious as a church and go into this next year, guns a-blazing, praise the Lord. If it's people being saved, I believe that's his will. If it's people being baptized, I believe that's his will. If it's people being discipled and added to the church, I believe that's his will. I'm praying for 10 souls saved by the end of December. That won't happen just going out for an hour on Saturday. That will happen if all of us right now say, all right, I'm in. I'm in. My family's in. I'm grabbing my stack of 50, and those are going out to individual people. And Lord, you show me how to have that conversation, and I'll have the conversation. Just tell people what Jesus has done for you. That's it. If you don't know how to lead someone to the Lord, just tell them how you got, to, how you got there. Or tell them, hey, why don't you come to church, and somebody will preach from the Bible, and you'll be able to know for sure. Come with me. I'll sit with you. I'll, t- I'll take you down the aisle. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.